Hello and welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. It's a two-man show today, which means, who's this guy? It takes two to make a thing go right. Yeah. that's. It takes two to make it all turn right out right. of sight. Out of sight. It's Jeff Reuter. Hey, guys. It's Jeff. Hey. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Going back to our starting the show with some... Uh, <laughs> Some vague uh, 90s lyrics with for you. Um, you are wearing a shirt that says Portland on it. Uh, I, I am. Wow. That's a brave You are wearing a zip-up cardigan? What are they called at that I've point? got, um, Iris put a shark sticker on me today. Hmm. So this... And the shark is, I just want to make sure everyone knows, is diving downward towards his left nipple. Yeah, well, actually, it was on the other, I think it actually moved at some point during uh, putting the kids down. So More patriotic over the left, um, I get it. Big shout out to all those parents out there. I put this out on Twitter, but Sophia the First, you're excited about this. Oh, I've season stoked. three. I binged this one. American Gods launched nat- last night on mm-hmm. Stars, and season three of Sophia the First launched on uh, Netflix, and um, it's been it's <laughs> Is been that big. one of those music based kids shows. Yeah. Oh, great. It's um, and someone described. I was kind of w- bitching about it, and someone described Sophia as a woke princess. Which is kind of, I mean... Compared to what? Well, compared to like, I mean, like old-timey gender role stuff. So like yeah, gender but... roles now are like better, but it's still like there are servants. It's just like there are big problems with princess crap. I think so. that I, this is a cause I can rally behind. Let's yeah. take down Sophia. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, yeah. You, I mean, you can babysit some time and, and really go into it. Can um, or should? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't trust you with my I kids. Um, and I don't think I, I, I don't. I meaning that I think they'd kill you. No, you're right. So, <laughs> so um, we have an episode where we are going to talk about uh, obviously the the San Jose loss um, for Minnesota United. We are going to talk about we've got uh, two one and a half goods, one bad, and no weird, and then uh, a ton of Twitter questions. But before we cut to the big quarters music break, I want to start off the episode by paying tribute to a longtime Minnesota soccer fan, Tom Donovan, who passed away over the weekend. Um, Donovan was there at Minnesota soccer long before, long before anyone uh, else. He was um, kind of a legend amongst old timers for uh, Dark Clouds because of his absent-mindedness and missing uh, flights to away games and things like that, and just being in general his his own man. Um, yeah, he missed more more flights to away games than most of us have have basically made in our lives. <laughs> but um, when LA Galaxy came around for the big Beckham tour, the D- Dark Clouds sang, "Our Donovan is better than your Donovan," and uh, and so this this uh, episode's for you, Donovan, who is uh, still better than the other Donovan. And welcome back to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Jeff Reuter. Wes is here. And we're going to do the good, the little less good, and the bad, which is our slightly changed segment where we go around everything that's happening in the U.S. soccer outside of Minnesota. And so let's start with our old foster parents, the yeah. ASL, and um, some of our old foster siblings are currently kicking ass out in Jacksonville yeah. um, right now. So every team has played five games. Uh, which means they've played everyone in the league twice in the new NASL structure. And um, <laughs> so Jacksonville Armada, through five games, has uh, nine points. League-owned Jacksonville Armada, who and with three of our old friends, yep. J- Jack Blake, Aaron Pitch, Colin, Grandpa and, Pitch, yeah. and, uh, and Banksy, J- Banks. uh, J.C. Banks. Yep. Um, 
Did you see Jack Blake's assist this week, by the way? No, I didn't. I didn't. On a free kick. So oh. a free kick way outside the box, like 30 yards. He looped it around and over the wall, found someone at the far post, and he was able to kick it in. It oh, was good actually really good. Yeah. Did you text him about it? Uh, yeah. Jackie boy. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> That's his name, actually. Jackie boy. Yeah. So oh, Also, I, congratulations to Jack Blake. He recently got engaged. So. Oh, good for him. There you go. Way to go. That, yeah. A little young, but I mean, 17 is still love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, five games played, and they and Jacksonville have nine points, and they're the top. So it is, uh, it, it is. There's a lot of parody right now mm-hmm. going on in the league, but I, I love seeing the uh, our, our old uh, friends and, uh, doing well. And one other thing is that uh, Tim Hankinson's Indy Eleven haven't changed a bit through five games. They have five draws, six goals for, six goals against. And it just sounds like the most mundane. I don't know how Battalion is cheering for them at this yeah. point. Like it just they're not like, losing, man. No, but at least like at least when you're shipping in six goals and scoring one, you can watch the train wreck. If it's just every game is a one-one draw, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That'd be uh, tough Puerto to Rico FC have three draws and two losses. So shout out to the homies. Yep. Still take that. So um, a, a brief good mention is that uh, just from my own. Uh, joy of watching other teams fall apart that sure. aren't our, uh, my own team and it makes me feel better so watching the new england revolution drop a three nothing uh result with 17 minutes left to go made me smile uh seattle drew the game three three and that was at home in seattle yeah which is baffling that they fell down by three i mean they had just beat well LA did you see, did, i don't before. know if you caught any of this but the first goal stefan fry i mean it was it was a are you are you drunk? Because you're seeing double and the because he basically went for the ball that Did he wasn't there. It? Yeah, no, no. It, it, okay. it, I thought it at first, but it, it kind of went to his side. Like Ooh. he didn't even get in front of it. Ooh, it was it that's was, even worse. it was a really bad. I mean, maybe he was drunk on the that Jägermeister, or whatever he's yeah, got. Yeah. You know, nothing else to lose. Um, let's do the bad. Let's do the bad. Yep, I'll I'll Go do the it. bad. Yeah, Suli Mintari, uh, who is now playing for Pescara. In Italy, he walked off the pitch in stoppage time this uh, past weekend uh, after being racially abused. The midfielder had been getting abuse from fans, including a group of children. He walked over to one of the kids at halftime, and basically the quotes are, you know, he talks about, like, he gave the kid his jersey in a hope that, like, it would, it would set a, a good example. Yeah. yeah, and just... And um, the little fuckers didn't stop. So when he complained to the referee, he was given a yellow card. And then and then he walked it, off in the 90th minute. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, uh, Pescara played the last five minutes or so with 10 men. Yeah. yeah. So I, I sincerely hope that Daniela Mignelli, the referee, never gets to referee a game again. But since it's Italy. And that was just it because I read um, the Pescara Zayman. coach's comment. Zayman, yeah. Yeah, uh, where he was just like, there's there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. This has been going on for Italy for a while, so we need to change our approach. It's like you can't just say, like, yeah, ignore it. Meaning meaning he was criticizing Mentari, saying yes, you shouldn't have won. done that. We need, oop, the laser beam. Bonus round. Go. The heater's turning on, ladies and gentlemen. This oh, house is, that. house is warmed by lasers. <clears throat> um, So, yeah... All, all of those. I mean, just the the idea of being like, ah, oh, it's been around forever, so you can't you can't complain about it. Yeah, just, right. Screw you, man. Just awful. Um, let's just go right into Minnesota United. Yeah. Um. So Minnesota United on the weekend fell at home against San Jose, uh, one nil. So, um, I think a couple of things to unpack here. Let's just go through the fifty five one three stars. Um, on the game, the 
one Minnesota representative who I think was the second star was Francisco Calvo, um, who I thought was the man of the match against Colorado, came back at an equally strong performance. Um, I think my favorite moment of Calvo's in this game, there was a time where uh, I think it's Urinia or Heika, it was Heika, number 10, okay. um, was charging down. It was like a one-on-one with Calvo entering the box. Calvo is able to wrestle the ball away from him. Heike falls to the ground. Calvo looks back to make sure that like Heike is not going after it again. He passes it out to Birch, and he turns around and like just kind of puffs out his chest and just shouts, get up, and I could catch one more word. And I wasn't sure I if it was what in it English was. or Spanish. Yeah. And, it was, and just shouts, get up at him, and leaves him in his dust. And it was the moment where I was like, this guy is really comfortable in this team. Yeah. And that's what every single like Minnesota United fan was hoping to see yeah. going into the season this was his best match uh mm-hmm. I, I think um and I, I think that he if you look at his defensive action map in you know on mlssoccer.com you can go into the recap and, and look at uh the opta map i mean he was all over the place he was just extremely tidy i thought for the first half watching him Ibsen, Bobby Shuttleworth, mm-hmm. they were all... I mean, Ibsen was Dr. Jekyll Ibsen. I mean, I was just freaking out. Yeah. Um, they were... The the three of them were just a rock. I thought there were also other good defensive uh, things happening. Obviously, Cronin. Um, but, yeah, Calvo was the best. I, I think that it's a little unfair to Bobby Shuttleworth two weeks in a row where Bobby put in two great games and doesn't get you know we're not recognizing him uh, at least but, yeah but he he had a couple of really good saves i think i mean he looks like an mls starter right now it doesn't look like a concession you know like he's a stopgap he looks like someone who you know and he's what 28 29 yeah. there's still a few years we're still gonna sign still someone to i think so we i mean we need someone because right now i mean Alfie Alfie will leaves probably, in june yeah we need to sign someone who can replace him but the problem is mm-hmm. when do you do that We'll talk about the the transfer window later. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get towards that in a bit. Um, the roster freeze is May eighth. So yep. So so actually, we're going to be spending week. more time probably on roster talk than we will on this game because frankly, it was just a really damn boring game to try to watch. I mean, up from the press box, there was I mean, there's a, a fair amount of intensity. If, if you brought in a ton of scotch and yeah. you were cheering, it was a good game. I, mean, I had nachos <laughs> at halftime, right, which didn't go. make it a bad game, fair especially enough. in your case, Wes. Um, the the other two stars was the adorable sweetheart of Major League Soccer, Florian Youngworth. Um, Rodrigo Sanchez tweeted at me that uh, that Ed Sheeran scored a goal. He looks like Ed against, Sheeran, like yeah. a German Ed Sheeran. But he also looks like, you know how like a Christoph Waltz character, like an Inglourious Bastards yeah. or Django Unchained, will be very charismatic and then you see the evil side? It's just like a young, charismatic... I mean, I don't know, he's German, so it's also kind of a, a, a gimme. But interviewing him after the game, there were there were points where he would just be like, yeah, the goal, it was it was very good, and then just kind of sit there smiling, look around a bit and say, I like set pieces. And I'm like, can we keep you? Yeah. Can I talk to you for an hour? You should have like, sucker punched was, him. I thought about it right in the kidney. I mean, sure, they'll take away your badge, but, yeah. you know, it's worth it, uh, you little shit. Uh, and then the other guy <laughs> was Cordell Cato, uh, the right back, right? Yes. Um, yeah, he had been playing in the midfield for the last few games. He moved to right back because Nick Lima was injured, um, and he was all over. He had a, a shot go off of the crossbar yeah. in the first half. He looked dangerous the whole time. Um, but that that was also a, a struggle, frankly, to name a third player who we thought impacted the game. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was a very 
I didn't find it boring because I did think that you could see both teams doing a really good job of stymieing one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, someone like uh, you know, so I I thought it, maybe if it, if we drew, then Shuttleworth would have been my I would have given him another uh, one of those stars. But um, yeah, you know, a guy like Sam Cronin is not going to be doing a lot of these last ditch tackles. He is a and he's not uh, the fast, tenacious pit bull, speedy uh, defensive right. midfielder. But he's doing a lot of great work. I thought that I, I thought that he and Ibsen, in some ways, had one of their best games. I'll walk it back on so. Ibsen, but I definitely agree with you on Cronin. Oh, I just I couldn't. I guess I would need to. I only watched the rewatch the condensed. I didn't want rewatch the whole thing. Yeah, did you just think that he was not good going forward? He wasn't. Well, I I, I think my I, I figured out what my biggest problem is with Ibsen, and it's that you have a a younger, slightly faster version of Ibsen playing as your second striker right now, and Johan Venegas. They're both players who, once they get the ball, they immediately put their head down. They've got the ball at their feet. They're playing hero ball. They're going to try to like deke their way through three different defenders. And they're, they're going to do one of three things. They're going to take a long shot that's going to go way off frame. They're going to pass it to where they believe a teammate will be and then pass it out of bounds and then blame the teammate who is in their position. Or they will have the ball dispossessed and then they will flop and then they will complain about it. And over the course of the 90 minutes against San Jose, the two of them were doing that over and over and over again. Um, And so I I think it just clogs. After the Colorado game, there were a lot of people who were tweeting at us or talking to us after the game saying, where was the connection between the defense and the offense? And I think what it is is that you have two players who get the ball and shuttle but don't think to look up and see... Who's out left? Who's out right? And what's Christian doing right now? Because there are about three or four different times where Christian had a good run where he beat the center backs, and um, he didn't get the distribution at all. I I was going to pull up his pass map, um, uh, but I I think you're being a little bit unfair to Ibsen. I, I mean, I think he is really good at looking forward. You're right, he does a lot of this where he'll pass where he thinks the guy's supposed to be and then he'll throw his arms up. Mm-hmm. Half the time, the guy should be moving, making that run. And and the guy's sure. wrong. Ibsen just assumes that he's going to be as right as Ibsen. Sure, but, but you have to keep your head up and then adjust instead of just kicking the ball out of bounds. You know, um, so I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm going to throw in the I mean, we're paid by commission, so I'm going to say what we have to say every time, which is Ibsen is one of the most technically gifted players in Minnesota, certainly Major League Soccer. Uh, checks can be made out to Ruter, R-U-E-T-E-R, Garber. Um, but it that's fine. But if you're going to be playing with both Johan and Ibsen as your main creator centrally, because we know Sam Cronin's not going to be doing that work. That's not what he's in the lineup to do. Yeah. You need someone who's just going to be looking up. I think Schuler has that vision. I think that you can bring in someone who could be a true number 10 instead of like a second striker. Otherwise right now it's kind of an empty bucket and it's so cumbersome. I think, I think, so I just pulled up the pass map and I don't see yep. if you, you at, at home, you can go pull it up yourselves. Yeah. Well, let's take a minute here so that the readers can get a look at the pass map on Wes's laptop. Uh-huh, exactly. Everyone look, but um, I, I think one mm-hmm. of the problems that you see there is he connected a lot of passes, but the problem is uh, it's not pushing. No, no one is penetrating into the final third. No. And that's because Christian is playing in between two center backs. So you're not able to get long passes up to him or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is that, all three of those people, because this is the first time we've actually seen the four-two-three-one. Yeah, uh, 
all of the time these guys are cutting in. Venegas, Molino, and even Ibarra are cut, cutting back for the ball. No one is, and Christian is, is uh, you know, kind of pulling the center backs back. Whereas Christian, in the past at times, the way it's worked is Christian comes in a bit because there's most, no space. There's not, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and the, the wingers are going beyond him, right? No one's going beyond Christian. No. So that's one of the problems where you don't have uh, penetrating passes going into the final third. And, and what's frustrating is both Molino and Ibarra can make that run. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that... So Ibsen is not making those passes, but no one's there to make those passes. Also, yeah. you have to acknowledge that San Jose, were com- and just like Colorado, were completely trying to dominate, um, dominate our offensive players. And they in both games, I think, did a very good job of If it. I had to give a human name to that 90-minute period, I would probably name it something that rhymes with Schmam Schmanier. Probably. I mean, it was quintessential San Jose Goonie Ball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they certainly had chances. They weren't just... They didn't try to beat up the team uh, as much as Colorado did. It was right. not as physical a game as I thought. But, you know, they kind of stymied the ball, stymied the ball, had some chances, took them, and then eventually had a, a set piece, and they, they won it on that. So, I mean, good for them. I think what I get from this is that if you look through our players, there were some players who I thought did really well. Yeah. Um, but all of the attacking players were not very good. Venegas, second straight game. Venegas and Molino in particular, I think, were... Venegas was was not good at all. Molina right. was not very good by his standards. Ibarra yeah. was was okay, but he was um, better on the defensive side than the attacking side. Christian just didn't get a chance. Yeah, really. he just, he this was, was like the first game where yeah. he, he was just invisible. And know? so, so that's a problem. So I mm-hmm. I, I think that Venegas, uh, you know, we've got this tweet actually that that I'll, I'll just go to now, which is from Brian Hampf at Campaign Expert, and he he had previously been talking to me about pulling uh johan venegas and i said that he was crazy sure when um, was this what when was this is after the last game no when were, when were you uh when were you saying it was crazy after the last game and then oh, okay. after this game he says uh this thread was three games ago oh three games ago you are you now on board with pulling johan venegas no who the hell are you gonna put out there right and that's uh, we'll, we'll you know that's another question especially for kansas city if you're playing against Kansas City, you're not throwing in a Budan Lottie yet. No. You know? And and we can talk about that, which is that the the subs that were made were a Budan Lottie with twenty five minutes yep. and ish for fifteen minutes, and then Kadri gets two minutes. And Abu Dinladi and Ish were bad. Abu mm-hmm. Dinladi in particular was very bad. I think Abu was more effective than Ish. In terms of actually spacing, I know you're you're doing the death stare at the wall. So what what happened when Abu came in for Johan Venegas is that San Jose was able to be compact centrally in their back line. And they were not letting Christian get in past them. They were able just to hold a wall and nothing was going past it. Abu comes in and purely off of his pace, his movement... Um, and maybe not much else, honestly, but uh, his acceleration and his ability to actually get in behind the center backs opened up San Jose and it made the last 15 minutes much more um, 
there were many more chances for Minnesota once Abu came in. And I think that's just a virtue of his pace. That's a virtue of his work ethic. And this was the first time where he looked healthy and confident in his health. But his passing was terrible. But he wasn't brought in to be a passer. But any time he touched the ball, he was bad. Well, he was able to get one ball where he went around the center back and was in on the back line. And I think he had one cross to go in that got headed out for a corner or something like that. And I think that I, that I saw glimpses for the first time this season of what Minnesota saw when they made him the first overall pick. Look, this we, we had to make, make a change. The real problem is that Ish and Abu Dinladi should be on USL teams developing. Yeah, and they should um, it certainly shouldn't be on the and field. So, at the so same the real, time. I mean, he had to make changes. Obviously, Kadri should have come in for Ish. Would you have brought? Yeah, you would have brought in Kadri instead and of. And I thought maybe if Ish was coming in just to be a big man up top, mm-hmm. he wasn't brought in for that. And what baffled me was taking off Molino for Ish. At that time, that seemed like a really strange change of ability, and just what they would do when they get the ball. Yeah, I, and so if Kadri came in, like. Look, I know Kadri has not been particularly very good at all, mm-hmm. um, but he still is a good player somewhere in there, right? There is yeah. there is a lot more built-in talent. We just experience. need to teach him the meaning of Christmas, and then he'll be able to play better. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I that's just and so I left that game thinking we just need to sign seven players. <laughs> that's no problem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely need someone uh, a central midfielder. Yep. We definitely need a number 10. Yeah. We definitely need a left winger. A we second de- striker. We definitely need a second striker. We definitely need another center back. We yep. definitely need another uh, goalkeeper. Yeah. And we definitely need cover for uh, Tiasson. Tiasson, yeah. So I basically, that was like 30 players I just made made there. Yeah, it's that easy, guys. And if, if Minnesota can sign all of those guys in the next six days, they'll win MLS Cup. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Done. Uh, so I think that there are still good players on this team, but there's just no depth. And that is really worrying, um, mm-hmm. especially when the Gold Cup comes. We're going to be fucked. So. Yeah. I, yeah, it'll, it'll be tough because, I mean, the, the, if you think of who will get called into the Gold Cup in order of likeliness from most likely to least likely, you've got Calvo. Gone. Yep. Good is gone, and he's been your best defender all season. Yeah, you've got Johan Venegas very likely going to Costa Rica as well, yep. who has been one of the most steady attackers. And yeah. no matter how you slice it, you can't deny that he's one of your three or four best attackers if you're Minnesota. Kevin Molino is back in favor with Trinidad and Tobago, so he'll be called in. Um, and he has been one of the two best attackers for Minnesota this season, aside from Christian Ramirez. And then, fuck, why not? Christian Ramirez yeah. might be in the Gold Cup as well. Yeah. So you <laughs> you can do the lineup math yourself and uh, pour yourself a nice, uh, I don't know, rye whiskey and absinthe or something. But Yeah, that'll be uh, a long, long, long pour. summer. Yep. So... Um, we should we can talk about the fact that it is a little bit unfair to talk about this game when that there was an obvious penalty um not given. Did you do the referee question thing? Uh yeah, they didn't want it. They didn't want what? They didn't want to address it? Yeah. They just didn't answer? Really? Yeah. Aren't they supposed to? Yeah. Wait. W- anyway, you can't tell me about this? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, great. So that's good podcasting, guys. That silence. Yeah, that you just heard. just uh, just know there was a, a head shake. Um, well, there was, should have been a penalty given because it was a stupid call, uh, and that would have changed the game, sure. But that's that crap is going to happen. Yeah, you know, some I, t- some weeks it'll go for your side, some yeah. weeks it'll go against. Yeah, 
So that was a little, that was very frustrating. Um, anything else you want to say about, about the game? I mean, um, uh, well, <laughs> I think we should, we should address this. Uh, at Jessup Penguin, uh, since it seemed like attendance was not talked about in the last podcast, how about this time around with another one done and dusted? Um, from the little bird's nest I have, it looked the exact same as it did for the Colorado game as it looked for the RSL game. It, I mean, it, it's looked like the exact same crowd. So the attendance numbers... Oh, really? It looked less last night, or less, you know, this weekend. No, nah, it, but... it looked the exact same from my angle. And so uh, then the question becomes, okay, well, it's probably not exactly... Definitely not exactly 17,605, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but they have been consistent because they've been within, like, 200, 300 in the last three home games. So I don't think that they're inflating it differently every single week. So I, I think it's a it's an accurate representation of the crowd. The question then is, do you think that seventeen five hundred is enough? I mean, and the, do and you the answer is no. I mean, yeah. but what, what are we gonna? That's why we're not talking about it every week. Yeah, they should be selling a lot more tickets. It's really frustrating, and we talked about it when there was no marketing leading up to the the season and all this stuff. Like uh, we, I saw this coming uh, in January, and so I, I don't know. It, it seems like harping on it is just. I don't know, it gets old. Doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we so. don't have new opinions on it either. And yeah. so that's another part of the reason why we aren't addressing it every week. It's frustrating. So, yeah, there, there's that. So, um, th- this coming weekend is a very weird game. It's a 12.30 kickoff uh, on a Sunday, yep. uh, Sporting Kansas City. Um, Sporting Kansas City, who just wiped the floor with uh, Real Salt Lake, mm-hmm. three to nothing. Uh, Matt Van Okel, did you see any of this game? No, I didn't. Matt Van Okel had a fantastic head save Ooh. where he was really far out of the box and the keeper or the, the whoever it was tried to chip him and uh, he just jumps up and hits it. I love it's, it. It was like great. A seal. Good. It was very weird. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the save like that. So uh, vote for that for your save of the week. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, Sporting Kansas City are... are Really freaking! They started the season with like eighteen zero zero draws, and then suddenly they're winning. Um, they're really freaking good. So uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about this other than let's pray that we get out of it with a draw. Yeah, and no injuries, stuff like that. Yeah, that's about right. Um, but let's talk about that roster freeze a little bit more. Um, we're doing that now. Or we got a we got a well, we've got a plethora of Twitter questions, but we're also only at like twenty five minutes. So yeah, let's talk about the roster. Okay, let's do it now, and then we'll take a break after that. Yeah. So this, so, th- we've got a question here uh, from Colin O'Donnell, who asks, um, "Have we hit or, the hundred-day equivalent arbitrary date? Good measure to contextualize progress for Minnesota United." Yeah, I think this fits. Um, sure. So the the idea of it, without giving any sort of opinions on politics, because that's not what we're here for, Wes, uh, um, is that the hundred day is always kind of seen as the first road mark for any president um, or any person in office, as Wes grabs the the whiskey bottle. Um, and so, is this also a convenient time to look at how Minnesota season's going, and I guess the MLS season as a whole? Um, I think it's a good time first off because every team has played eight or nine games in MLS right now, uh, which means that they're a quarter of the way through their seasons. Um, the team is gelled enough where the excuse of it's, it's too early. We need to see how it plays out. I don't think that's viable anymore. Um, you gave a laundry list of seven positions that you think I'm pointing the bottle at, you know, um, positions you think need an upgrade or need shoring up. 
Um, I'm going to ask you what I end up asking most people when I'm out for a drink with them. If you could prioritize one, what would you bring in? If not the next yeah, if we, week, if we first only thing, got one open. in the in this roster phase, yeah. that's a really good question. Um, well, a lot of those positions I think are just someone we need. Uh, I guess we would need a better player. I would say number ten. Yeah, I, I just I don't think um, I don't think Venegas is the man there, and I think too much is having to come through Molino, and Molino is very good. Mm-hmm. But he's not good enough to have the entire team run through him. He's not Valeri. So you're looking for a Valeri, a Maro Diaz. What I mean, we're not getting a Valeri. I mean, not with that attitude. We, we buddy. Can, yeah, yeah. We can talk about DPS if you want, but we're not getting a DP. Not this year. Um, no. And so, um, so the, I, I don't know. I, and so who's out there? So I don't think we're getting a number ten. I think that having having someone an upgrade over Ibsen. It is worth mentioning though, uh, Luciano Acosta, who had a hell of a game to with DC United this year. It's his second year, first year not on loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, came from Boca Juniors, I believe, last year. Um, he's not a DP, and he made mincemeat out of Atlanta United mm-hmm. at home at Babidad, because apparently you just say it in like one breath, one syllable. Sure, and. Uh, he looked fantastic, and but I mean he's yeah. he's a twenty one year old, so there's going to be some risk reward with that. But those kind of players you can get with allocation money. Minnesota United still has allocation money. Yeah, so I don't think it's unrealistic to think that they could. Bring I mean, in. do do you have a, a what would you prioritize? I think it's got to be a number ten, and I think the other thing to go on my my weekly column called "Hey, look at this thing Ibsen did that I didn't necessarily like." Because apparently that's all I do anymore. Yeah. Um, Ibsen actually would work if you had a more athletic and also or if you had a number 10 with more athleticism and better vision if you had that player ibsen would actually be yeah. totally fine because because venegas is playing as a second striker and he's yeah. also and also all of those all three of those players uh molino ibarra venegas in particular last weekend had free reign free range uh mm-hmm. as well because ibarra it was the first game ibarra had freedom to move yeah and for those people who remember the early Ibarra days, his second year, when he came back and it was like Ibarra's gonna, he's gonna blow up this year. He got all the space in the world and he moved all over the pitch. And that was that first half of the season was when he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Ibarra's positional sense is not particularly good, and so having too much free free reign is not particularly helpful for him right i thought he used it well sometimes this this game um but i i think that you need someone who's a bit more fixed in that number 10 role rather than being a second striker rather than uh, you know i will also say the the second type of player i would think that you need to bring in as soon as possible is somebody who can play multiple positions along the defensive half of the game Probably someone who can be a good backup to Cronin because there isn't a true backup number six, and maybe someone who can play both full pack positions and has Moonlight as a center back in Norway. Oh, who is it? Um, well, let's talk about, yeah. So the the news that that hmm. you broke yesterday, which is that uh, Jeb Brovsky, uh, a, a good friend of of this podcast, um, uh, got uh, he's now back. Last week he was cleared to play and. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, so today we're recording on a Monday. On Tuesday, he's going to go in and train with uh, Minnesota United. Who knows if he'll sign with them, um, but he'll at least get a look there. 
And um, it's great. Congratulations to Jeb. We're extremely happy for him. Uh, you know, as you could tell, you can go back and listen to episode 27 where we interviewed him. Uh, Is that we, actually the number? Yeah. Nice. I, I put it in your post. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I, 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 we think the world of him. I think he's a great guy. Um, I, I'd love to also see a guy who played for the team, who got injured, who got injured when a lot of guys were not taking chances Yep. because they didn't want to get injured. Right. So I think it would be, uh, if we need him, I think we do, a very decent thing of the team to, to give him a, a job. And so if you're looking away from the ethos of it, though, I think it actually does make a lot of sense. Um, he has 89 starts in the league. He has 104 appearances. Um, he's played on three expansion teams in their first years in the past, so the leadership factor is there. So even if it's going to take a month for him to get to playing condition where he can be like a regular contributor on the field, you know, he can still do kind of the vocal leadership in the locker room that might be missing right now. And you said as a replacement, as a backup to Cronin, I, I think when we go away and we want those two um, more defensive-minded guys, yeah. you have Warner now playing there. Uh, Brovsky would be just as good of a of a pick there. I'm not sure if right now I could really tell the difference between Warner and Brovsky. I think that Brovsky is a little more interested in playing defense. And so if you're looking and like in that in that context you gave where you're on the road and like the FC Dallas game, whatever, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me to have Brovsky Cronin out there. Yeah. And then there was the two minutes, and I also talked about this in the post a little bit, but there was the two minutes against San Jose where Tieson had a little bit of what looked like it was going to be a dead leg, and he was having a tough time walking that off. Oh, and I was looking at the bench and I was like, Jermaine Taylor's the only guy who's played right back on that bench. Yeah, Viva's right now. not even on the bench. Viva's not on the bench. So you need someone who can cover that. And if you have Brovsky on your bench, he can sub in for either of those positions. Right. Yeah. And He's a guy who will be on the bench because he, you know, you can bring him into different things. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So he is a guy. Yeah. I, I think look, that's a no brainer to there's me. There's no number 10 coming in in the next week um, no. unless something crazy happens. Yes. But, um, but this summer, they could look for one. So in the next week, what I would say is you can find another center back. You can find uh, maybe another striker, but I don't know how the quality, but mainly you could find a central midfielder. Yes. Yeah. Maybe a left winger. I don't know. Um, so th- those are the things that, that could happen. I really don't know what's going to happen. I, I have no... Uh, spider sense tingling telling me yeah. t- telling me anything about things in the work so maybe i didn't realize until we started recording that may 8th was the deadline so maybe i should spend this week calling people tingling. but yeah tingling yeah spend a week tingling and um, see how it feels so let's take a break we've got lots of twitter questions and uh and we'll we'll prepare for those <laughs> Welcome back to the Fifty Five One podcast. I'm Wes. There's I'm Jeff. Jeff. Okay, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to. Speak. I was Sorry. pausing. I was. I was giving uh, giving you a big pause. Uh, we we have a, a Twitter question here um, from Matt Axelson that kind of it basically just backs up on what we just said, which is: Do you foresee any acquisitions, players or otherwise, um, coming from Minnesota United before the May eighth deadline? But I wanted to say just in terms of after May eighth, there's the roster freeze, and then July tenth through August 9th, is the next transfer window. Yep. So that's that's when people should be looking at you know, we we didn't talk about Chile yet, which maybe we should. Yeah. And so I think it's it's also with with Chile as a good example of it. Um 
you'll see things like when you see like tell the story of Chile. Chile is that tell the, the story of Chile. The new yeah the, exactly tell tell all discovered about. in yeah because you yeah. know it wasn't existing until then. Uh, so uh, Amos McGee is currently yes. down scouting um, something. Missile United told the the media at a training last week. Amos McGee is down scouting for a week week and a half or so in Chile. Um, you did a little bit of roster digging. Um, and didn't see any very obvious targets, right? Uh, no, I started digging and uh, have not fully put it together. But I, I, the general sense I've gotten from talking to people is that we're, we're in... Well, and actually, M- McGee's... The, the sense coming out from the team directly is that, look, don't. this is not necessarily a we're going to sign someone right away. Right. That this may be a longer-term thing. Maybe this is looking for DP targets who will be signed next or year. Or Minnesota's going to put their USL team in Chile. Why not? Maybe. So how this could also work, this is something that you see. I mean, Atlanta is doing this right now with Brad Guzan, where Guzan, obviously there's an agreement in place for him to join. Tim Howard, it was the exact same thing with Colorado last year. I'm just going to talk about aging goalkeepers at this point. Sure. And you can sign, you can say, yeah, you'll join. Andrea Pirlo did this with NYC the year before. Rolodex. And they won't join until July 10th. So you might hear about Minnesota United's agreed to terms with uh, Nicholas Bentner, whatever. Yeah. And Bentner wouldn't join. G- Gonzalo Minnesota. Yara is the biggest uh Play, Chilean player. Oh, you're actually Chile. giving a name. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's not coming. He's a 31 year old, uh, is he fullback? But he's, yeah. people know him from, uh, I forget which club teams, but from the Chilean national team. I'm trying to remember who it was. Someone asked about the Australian A League and if there are any players of note there. There was Marco Rojas, I think his name is. Okay. He's a right winger. He's like 24, 25, the best player New Zealand has pretty much. Um, and so if he was looking to move up, we're on Chile, Jeff. I'm just to, saying, stick to fu- Chile here. S- stick to Chile. So what I'm yeah. saying is like someone like Roja, uh, Gonzalo uh, Castillon is also a 20 year old goalkeeper who is like national team level. And so if he was looking to kind of take that next move in Chile, yeah. Okay. And he, his contract is expiring this summer. Okay, great. Cool. Yeah. Well then I hadn't pulled him up yet. Um, but Yara is, is a guy who would be that, that type of thing. Maybe they would go after him. I, I sincerely think they are not going to go after him. But there are a couple right. other guys. Um, I think the way that people should think about DPs, and uh, if you or I ever get a moment to write anything about this, maybe I think you will this week, but if we get a chance to write about looking at scouting Chile, it's that um, designated player, the team has a choice, right? They could sign someone this summer. Yeah. But does it make sense to sign someone this summer in a team that, let's be honest, we're going to finish second last. The, the 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 way that they could think about it is, yes, we can do that. And then they will be, you know, they'll have time to adapt to MLS. And then next year in 2018, whatever year it's going to be. Yeah, who cares about 2018? Yeah. They'll be, the, the team will be, he'll be ready to, to lead the team. Right. That's one thing they could do. I think the team would view that as kind of wasting money. But mm-hmm. if there's a guy available then, they could consider it. Sure. Yeah. And again, we're not talking two million dollars for a person. We're 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 thinking these are Diego Valeri guys who are going to make nine hundred thousand or something yep. like that. And that's still a very useful player for Minnesota too. The other option is they could wait till winter, and mm-hmm. there's a limited amount of players available to sign in winter for free at least for yeah. free, right? Um, maybe they could get a cheaper. You know, there there could be deals done in winter, but mostly these designated players coming in the summer. But if they wait till next summer. 
then then they're really really looking at 2019 with the new stadium as you know we're finishing the, the all these two years we were just prepping for this moment yeah which goes back to the kind of the soft launch mentality that a lot yeah. of people have been afraid of um i'd hate to think that's true but i also understand practically it makes sense yeah 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 so, so we'll see on a on a equally serious note from kate sophia asks um just watched victory a movie about soccer what other soccer related movie should i add to my personal soccer film festival um kate also had an idea on the 551 slack channel for like a, a live tweeting movie night where as many of us as possible hit play at the same time and we're just kind of drinking at our own places and tweeting with the hashtags um the i think no one else would enjoy that other than us, us probably <laughs> but the big green would be my nomination okay um i mean the 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 t- two obvious ones that come to mind are the the heartwarmingness of, of Bend It Like Beckham, because it's mm. a fun movie. But The Damned United with uh, Michael Sheeran, is that his name? Um, is great. I, I love that movie. I've not watched a lot of soccer movies, though, so I, I'll be honest. Yeah, a lot of people gave uh, Kate great responses on Twitter um, of things like Shaolin soccer. Ladybugs. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, goal is a fantastically terrible movie. Right. Um, goal 2 is also fantastically terrible. And this did they is complete about, the hat trick ever? This is about a... Um, and then Goal 3 did come out, yeah. yeah. And they, all these movies, they're about an American kid uh, getting scouted and going, and he eventually plays for Newcastle, etc. Um, it was fun, trashy, but fun. And then there's all these cameos from these soccer players who are just... They're terrible. Obviously, they're soccer players. Right. Can't, do not know how to act. Hey, buddy. Um, Love it. But, uh, yeah, those, I I don't have too many suggestions. But tweet us with your suggestions because, you know. And tweet us your strong opposition to participating in a film night that takes place over Twitter. Please do. Um, So Aaron Tinklenberg says, is there another Colorado we can fleece for an offensive mid and a number 10? Uh, Colorado. We'll just take Dylan Powers and Mo Saeed back. Oof. (laughs) Um, Um, I think actually you could say that you could get a couple of good pieces for five cents on the dollar from Columbus. I think that if you look at Kakuta Mane was just brought in and he's not even traveling with the team right now. And so that's its own thing. But if you think that you can be the side, because there's a lot of thought that his work ethic is poor and that he's just kind of waiting for his MLS time to run out and his U.S. citizenship to pass so that he can go up to Europe, which, fine. But if you think that you can kind of rein him in or you think Heath is going to be the coach that... We're not going to get... Wait, wait, wait. You're saying Kakuta Mane? I'm saying that if you're looking for a team oh. that like just hypothetically would have two of those guys you could get for five cents on the dollar, oh, okay. Mane is definitely one of those guys that right now you could probably buy low on. Um, I saw something. Or, I don't think Mane is going to make another move, though. Not in the league. No, no, I, I don't I, think, I think so. that's impossible. I, I agree. I think it actually. I don't think he can be registered for the. Because uh, I, I had but. a, I had a few people text me, um, randomly this morning that threw me off, saying, "Is there any buzz to this Ethan Finley to Minnesota oh, thing?" I think it was just a Reddit thing. I think someone was it okay because um, I was like, "No, there's there's been no traction on that that we know of." Um, I, and. So the thing, the thing about the Ethan Finley that didn't quite make sense to me, but you know, obviously, I can life, the world can tell me I'm all, all wrong, is that the one thing that um, Minnesota is not doing is playing with wide wingers. Yeah, um, uh, and that's the way that Heath plays. Heath wants his width to come from the fullbacks. So, mm-hmm. you know, previously we've been playing this like four two two two. 
um, where everyone's coming in. You've got these two midfielders, and basically um, Molino and Ibarra are coming in right in front of Ibsen and Cronin. Right. And then uh, Johan Venegas and, and Ramirez are, are kind of two there. Kind of the tunnel of left um, formation. Yep. And then all the width is coming from the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. There is a problem in that. It's a lot of crosses, and there's no one there to meet the crosses. That's not what Christian Ramirez does, although he does have one goal that way. Two. Um, two there were two crosses? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did have the two, yeah. Um, so uh, w- what I'm saying is that Ethan Finley may not be the type of player that uh, Heath wants in that role. But yeah, then again, this team... Uh, Beggars can't be choosers. You know, this team needs good players. Ethan Finley is a well-paid, good player. Not a great player, but um, he does have that Minnesota connection of being born in Duluth, but he doesn't consider himself Minnesotan. No, he doesn't. Screw that, dude. Right. I don't know. There you go. A big I don't know to your question, Aaron. Um, Mark Fangmeyer asks, Growing up, did John Alfberger play Anka Anka Gess or Anka Anka Gre Anka? And I, I think the answer to that is he actually played Sparka Birkin, which is kick the can. Exactly. Um, so you put out a call on Twitter to prepare for Sporting Kansas City. Rivalry for week. Your, yeah, rivalry. This is the first time we've played anyone ever. Not ever. But since for a long time, within six hours. Right. So um, you wanted petty grievances? Petty grievances, yeah. So the, the Opuloons were kind of my catalyst behind this. They had said, which is more insulting, that Sporting Kansas City wears brown shoes with a black belt or wears suspenders and a belt simultaneously? Later, they also tweeted that when Sporting Kansas City wears a three-button blazer, they have all three buttons done. So I asked, what are your other petty grievances with your big rivals in Kansas City? I was just... Do you have one? I'm just going to say, to answer Opuloons, it's it's none of those. It's the fact that they wear a, a dicky, one of those mm. dicky things, and, mm-hmm. and under their under their like shitty V-neck sweater. There you go. Um, so Doug Marshak said, considering how well Livestrong Park went, which was a former name of theirs, it's only a matter of time before we find out that Children's Mercy is a human trafficking <laughs> front. Okay, Jared Christensen says that they're no longer the Wiz. It's it's like soccer began in that city when they moved out of Arrowhead and got their stadium in in uh, Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas, that's what Casey. Which Kansas. is about the same time that Seattle invented soccer, so it only makes yeah. sense. Um, Super rookie says Missouri City, Kansas is not the same as Kansas City, Missouri, and that's his grievance. But you know what? Kind of is. Kind of. Uh, Chad, Chad, Chad says the the acronym SKC looks very close to ska, which reminds him of some awkward teen years, and he immediately starts humming some real big fish songs. I know that this this is going to be um, completely uh, uh, heretical, but um, every once in a while, when um, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones that song comes on, um, whatever it was that song, mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Yeah, I know that's kind of heretical, right? Everyone, everyone is just like, "Oh, that stuff is terrible," but it's a fun song. I have a soft so, spot for what was it? Save Ferris's cover of "Come On, Eileen." Yeah, you, a, that's actually get the fuck off this. I podcast. have a soft spot for that song. <laughs> Colin Solberg says, "I can only have four, maybe five consecutive meals of barbecue before I need something different." Which is three, maybe four more meals of it than I can take at yeah, one time. Additional more. heretical thought is um, if we're talking. Uh, food stuffs in a city that I want to go eat. Give me your tacos. I don't want your barbecue. Oh yeah, barbecue's fine. But when when I've gone to OK Joe's, I'm like, 
This is good. Yeah, cool. Putting the okay in okay, Joe. I know that's. I know that that is absolutely heretical. And rounding things out is our good friend uh, Alex Schieferdecker, who says uh, his main petty grievance about Sporting Kansas City is Dom Dwyer. Which brings us to this. We got to finish out on this. I I don't have anything prepared on this. We need to hone everyone. Hone your freaking mind bullets on how are we going to mess with Dom Dwyer. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, we had some really good Chris Wondolowski moments this weekend where yeah. we said you should have scored on Belgium and uh, everyone who shot, we just, every time someone touched the ball, we said you shoot like Wondolowski. Um, those were moments that at least made us feel good. Uh, we need a way. Dom Dwyer is a notorious son of a bitch. Just diving little petulant bastard. Got Cristiano Diaz sent off in that U.S. Open Cup game years ago in Kansas City. 2014, yeah. And, uh, and so... Ooh, that's a good question, actually. Because um, I think he's someone where if you all started chanting Dwyer, he would love it. You know? Yeah, well, that's just not... I mean, head. you need to get something... It needs to be... It needs to be good. It needs to be like, oh, damn. Yeah, all right. Where he, he, he just secretly... Like, Dwyer either. needs a haircut. Something. Like, he would worry about his hair. It's got to it's gotta be, you got to be better. So we don't have to come up with it now. I'm, we'll I'm just saying, yeah, that's, everyone hone your freaking mind bullets on this. Start sending ideas in. Um, I think that this is important for us to do. You know, I mean, there's other guys we can go. File Hyber is someone we need to just rail into. Well, you don't want him to be angry. I mean, Benny plays way better when he's pissed. Really? Yeah, so just let let make Benny comfy. I mean, I don't know, buy him a muffin basket the morning of or whatever, and then like, sure. he'll play yeah, worse. Yeah, he'll that softy. Um, Tim Melia will be in goal, and last time Tim Melia came to town with Sporting Kansas City, he was the backup keeper, mm-hmm. and uh, his wife had tweeted uh, at me, and I was like, Tim, Tim, your wife t- tweeted at me. And he like was like, what? I was in the beer garden, and he came over, and I showed him. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> it was a great moment. The old days when you could actually just say bullshit to people and they'd come right over. Yeah. It was great. So um, everyone do that. And uh, do you have anything else to add to this podcast? I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, please go uh, support us on Patreon. Go check out the website. We've, we will have... Uh, what are you writing about this week? What's your rewind that? Uh, yeah, because I have made it pretty clear that I don't have a ton of thoughts on the San Jose game. Okay. Um, but I, I think I will be looking at what would I try to address in what order once July rolls around? Okay. Or maybe DPs. You thought you were thinking DPs. Maybe yeah, not. maybe we okay. went through a lot of that manifesto on this pod. You can, you, I mean, we only were bullshitting. So, um, I is that what a manifesto to... is? Just yeah, bullshitting. exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we will see you all soon. Thank you very much. We'll see you out on, on Sunday. Thanks.